0: Today, uh, we hope that, uh, you know, that God would open our hearts and our eyes to his word today. Uh, that's our hope every week, is that his word is preached and that our ears are able to listen to his word. Um, you know, the Bible talks about how, and you know, marriage, again, teaches you the lesson of you not being a good listener. Am I talking to somebody here? Well, it's very quiet. I'm talking to a lot of people here then. But God's word is unique in that when God sets out to plant his word, it will not come back to him void. You know, And so when God speaks, and we have ears that are open, and our hearts are fertile for the word of God, my heart today is that it, 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 it roots in your heart and that it would grow, that we would obey it. It's not enough just to listen to the word of God. We need to also obey the word of God. Amen? Amen? That's why we're here, to remember his word together. As you already know, we're going through the gospel of Luke. So we're in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. That is our text. We are concluding the chapter, Luke 6. 46 to 49. Luke 6, 46 to 49 is our text. All right. So let me read, starting in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? We could stop right there. We really could. It's a good question for us, and I hope to answer that through this message. Let me start over and read God's word. Amen. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Verse 48. This is the word of the Lord. God, we are here for your glory. Help us. Which house are we? Would you help us to see? Would you help us to apply? Would you help us to obey? It's not enough to hear your word. We are called to obey it. And so, Lord, help us to obey, to apply your word in a way that glorifies you and shows Shows others of your glory as well. Be with us today. Be with those who listen. That you will keep them alert and keep me, Lord God, tethered to your word that I may be faithful to your glory. And So we ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. So what is your life built on? Do you pattern yourself in the scriptures where the word of God is found? Is your life well built on the word of God. If you say yes, what in your life shows that your life is well built on his word? We are a church that desires to be obedient to God's word. We really strive to do that as best as we can. Don't do it perfectly, but we definitely have a heart to. We are a church that desires to be obedient. I say obedient because many like God's word, the lack proof of love for it. You can love theology without God. You can have a lofty view of God and have no love for him. Someone can attain the idea of God without faith in God. But a genuine belief in God, when acquired by grace, must show itself in the works of the believer. I like Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes. He said, faith and works are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. He that is without faith is without works, and he that is without works is without faith. Taken from James chapter 2. And so genuine faith in Jesus will pattern itself accordingly to the scriptures. A well-built life on the word of God will reveal itself, especially during times of difficulty. That's when things get real. This is what Jesus is doing in our text. He's exposing this reality. He's about to show us what a person looks like who comes to him, who hears him, hears his words and does them. He does this by beginning with the question, which is followed by two illustrations. So our outline for today's saints, for you note takers, point number one, very simple, the question in verse 46, the question in verse 46, point number two, the well-built life, verse 47 through 48, the well-built life, and then three, the ruined life, verse 49, the ruined life, verse 49. So point number one. The question in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Jesus here concludes what he had been saying before about judging hypocritically and condemning others. You remember that? In these verses, we have an application of the need to love, to forgive, to give to others, which should be done as acts of mercy. I don't know if you knew this, but Christians are supposed to be doing these things loving each other, giving to one another, forgiving one another. Jesus said to those who were listening to him in this chapter, he said the things that he said so that they could be merciful. This is all anchored in Luke six thirty six, where he said, Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. And Jesus moved on to give the example of a good and bad tree. Uh, it was out of the treasuring in the heart that will determine what will come out of it. When someone judged hypocritically and condemned others, it would be evidence of a need for mercy that revealed actually their heart's condition of no salvation. These issues come from a heart that needed to see its condition before God. Apart from being shown mercy from God, it's impossible to show mercy to others. That's why I tell people, like, it's, you know, the reason why people could be so harsh and judgmental is because they have not spent time with God. Time with God will produce gentleness and mercy because you realize that you deserve wrath. But then here's God giving you grace, giving you mercy, giving you love. God's constantly giving to you. And what do we give to him? Right away, we get humbled. It's like, man, I don't give him what he deserves. So if you're not rocked by mercy, it's hard to show mercy to other people. When you treasure what God has done in your life, you won't have it in you to judge harshly and treat others unjustly. When someone is self-righteous and blind to their need for Christ, they will not be able to help others. Instead, they will only hurt them by what comes from them like the Pharisees and scribes. The question Jesus asked in verse 46 of our text comes from this. If you are judging hypocritically and condemning others, if you are bearing rotten fruit and calling yourself good, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Notice that Jesus in the question says Lord twice, back to back. Why do you call me? He didn't just say Lord. He said, Lord, Lord. What is the significance of saying Lord, Lord? One commentary noted that the repetition of the address Lord, Lord is actually a Hebrew method that communicated intimacy. This meant that it was done to call on someone for attention. The pattern I am seeing actually when I studied it is that the repetition of a name happens in moments of urgency. Some examples in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, Genesis 22, verses 10 to 12, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So the angel told Abraham to stop what he was about to do. Then the angel called out his name twice. God called Jacob twice in Genesis 46 to actually urge him to take his family to Egypt. We also have examples of repetition in the New Testament where a name is called twice. Jesus called Martha twice in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42, where he addressed her in her anxiety and trouble. Jesus, speaking emotionally about Jerusalem, where he is lamenting over Jerusalem, said in Luke 13, 34, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So Jesus also called Simon in Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, where he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus on the cross even cried out to God twice in Matthew 27, 46, where he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the significance, saints, of saying a name twice was that it happened at points of urgency. And it was an expression of an emotional call to get someone's attention. Now, specifically with Lord, Lord, we also have another pattern in the Gospels. In Matthew 7, we see Jesus speaking of this. In Matthew 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So notice that this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing. The people saying this here will not enter the kingdom of heaven, and they are not doing the will of the Father. Then in the next couple of verses in Matthew 7, 22 and 23, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So saying, Lord, Lord, has the pattern in the gospels that this person is in trouble. It's not a good thing. So I want to take you to a parable in Matthew chapter 25. Turn there with me, Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Starting in verse 1. the foolish said to the wise give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out but the wise answered, saying since there will not be enough for us and for you go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves and while they were going to buy the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut afterward the other virgins came also saying lord lord open to us but he answered truly I say to you I do not know you watch therefore for you neither for you know neither the day nor the hour do you see a pattern here why do you call me Lord Lord and not do what I tell you Jesus is speaking of someone calling on him and needing mercy The title Lord here is used back-to-back, which is meant to communicate that Jesus is master. The question is meant to say that someone called Jesus master but lacks the evidence of him being their Lord. There is an eschatological use of Lord, Lord, where it will be too late on that day for those who are disobedient and reliant on their works for salvation. This is a recognition of Jesus as Lord But too late. What Jesus is doing here is more immediate to addressing people who say he is Lord, Master, while showing no evidence. So in this conclusion, Jesus summarizes what he said earlier so that his listeners could apply what he had just taught. And he's giving them caution about how they should live. This is done with two examples of a well-built house and a house built without a foundation. Point number two, the well-built life in verses 47 and 48. Starting in verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So now the focus here shifts to Jesus showing what a person looks like who, number one, comes to Christ. Number one comes to Christ. So who is it that comes to Christ? John 6:44. Jesus said, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. Only those whom the Father draws can come to Christ. So Jesus is saying, everyone who comes to me is not saying that anyone can come to him. He will be speaking of those in John 6:44 who are drawn by the Father to come to him. Those who come to Christ are those who second, hear his words. Who are those that can hear his words? John eight forty seven. Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So those who hear God's word are those who are of God. Jesus, when addressing the Pharisees, claiming to be of Abraham and appealing to the birthrights and said in John 8, 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. But those who hear the words of God, those who hear the words of Christ, who is God, are of God. So the verses we read in John 6 are descriptive, not prescriptive. They are describing what someone who comes to the Father looks like. This is who Jesus is about to describe today in the two illustrations. He says, I will show you what he, the person who hears and does what God says to do, is like. So Jesus is about to show what a person looks like who, number three, hears the word and does it. The one who hears the word and does it is someone who believes. It is someone who is calling Jesus Lord and does what he says to do. It isn't someone calling Jesus Lord and does not do what he says. It is the same person in John 5, 24, where he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the focus here shifted where Jesus is about to illustrate what a person looks like who comes to him, hears hears his words, and does them. This will be contrasted with the result for those who hear his word and disobey. Now, Jesus begins in verse 48 of our text to speak of the well-built life. Let's go to verse 48 and read together. Verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well-built. Now, I'm used to renting. I'm not used to buying a house. By God's grace, we bought a house back in 2006. By God's grace. The first one in my family to buy a house. I remember uh, two weeks in, I was like, yo, who's cutting the grass? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Revelation. You are. You're a homeowner. Who's going to fix that? That's all me. I didn't know this. I'm like, what did I do? I'm used to calling people. You know, I, li- I lived in the in projects in the city where they had people hired to cut your grass, fix everything for you. And I was just like, I didn't know it, it entailed all this mess. I'm not used to buying a house, let alone building a house. What do you, what do you, I don't even got money for that. But in that culture, building a house was common. They built their own houses. And it didn't require permits, (laughs) materials, labor needed to be paid for, an architect that needs to be hired, and so on. It's a lot different back then. It was still a big project that required resources and connections, though. A house needed to be built from scratch. In biblical times, it would be much different than it is today. Back then, one could have have built a home with no oversight and no building inspector. But they knew that when they built a house back then, they could build one, a good one that could outlast bad weather. They even knew back then what a good and bad house was. Building a house is one thing, but making a good one was another. To build a house that could stand against the flood one had to dig deep enough into the ground to find what the house would be built on. They would dig so far in and then finally hit rock and then build the house from the rock up. That's how they built houses back then. That would be a good house. They would dig, 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 and finally when they hit something, like a rock, something solid, then they would tether the house to that rock so that it could last. Augustine actually made a note of this where he says, somewhere in the gospel, the Lord says that the good and sensible listener to his words ought to be like someone intending to build who digs down until he reaches a solid foundation of rock on which he erects whatever he is building, safe against a river and spate, such that when it comes, it is warded off by the strength of the building not causing that house's collapse by its onslaught. Then he says, let us imagine God's scriptures as being a site where we want to build. Let us not be lazy, content with building on surface. Let us dig deep until we reach the rock, the rock being Christ. Jesus describes a person who has come to him, heard his words, and did them as one who dug deep, laying the foundation on the rock. It takes work to dig deep. Now, in the Dominican Republic, we dug, and I tell you, my back was already jacked up. Like, I don't like doing stuff like that. It takes work, especially when the ground is hard, right? Well, we have to dig deep enough to hit a rock and build from there. That's what Jesus is saying in our text. What would it be that we should mine and dig deep enough into what would cause what is being built to last? How do we build a house that is built to last? Well, first. The finished work of Christ has already built this house. Number one, if you're a Christian here today, you don't have to work or earn salvation. It's, he already dug deep enough for you. Yes, amen. So I think God I only got to pick up a shovel for my salvation. <laughs> oh my yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I can rest on the finished work of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So when I come to him for forgiveness, he will forgive. Yeah. I don't earn that. That's given to me. Yeah. Which is far different than every other religious system out there. It depends on your prayer life. It depends on how much you pray, how much you do, how much you give. Jesus and salvation is the only place we can come as we are and receive. And not have to give anything. But in our sanctification, it will be the word of Christ, which we have only in the pages of Holy Scripture that we are to dig into. Digging into his word, digging deep is evidence of someone who has come to believe in his word. Digging deep enough so that when hitting at the core of truth, we can build our lives from there so that we can outlast the storms that hit our lives. The flood that brings the streams hits both houses. The Christian life doesn't promise you a life free from floods. Digging deep into God's word does not guarantee a flood free life. It ensures that your life will not be shaken to the point of falling into ruin. When the flood arose he says in the text the stream broke against it that house it broke against the house and it could not shake it. This house built on deep discovered rock will not move back and forth rapidly and violently. On the contrary, it will persevere and stand no matter the streams that beat against it. This is someone who comes to Christ, who hears his word and does them. This is a house that could not shake. Like he says in the text, because it had been well built. This house, those who come to Christ, was well built because it was built on a solid foundation. What foundation is the believer made on? Well, specifically in our text, it's the words of Christ. We say Jesus, which is true, but specifically in our text, it's the words of Christ that our lives are to be built on. Luke six forty seven: everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So the house being built is the Christian who hears the words of Jesus and does them. They are like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood came, the river burst against that house, it could not be shaken because it had been well built. A well built life is a life that listens to the words of Christ and obeys. So where have you been going to listen to the words of Christ? I'm going to go somewhere with y'all, with some of y'all. Don't get mad at me. I'm not saying this just because I'm a pastor, too. Hear me as a brother today. Where do you go to listen to the words of Christ? Do you want to listen to the words of Christ? Do you desire it? We had a sister who lives, I think she lives like 45, 50 minutes away. I think she came to Bible study two hours early. She parked in the parking lot, had lunch, was chilling. She didn't want to drive all the way back. She stayed in the lot for two hours until women's group was stuck. Don't get me started. Because we have been treating the things of God as common. The Lord's Day, Sunday service. This is where the word of God is preached. God's word is here. Have you gone here to listen to the words of Christ? Bible study. This is where the word of God is taught. Fellowship. This is where the word of God is shared. Ministry. This is where the word of God is shown in service to God's people. Prayer. This is where the word of God is personal. Reading the scriptures by yourself. Letting the Psalms, meditating on the Psalms so that they could be the guide of your prayer. Worship, this is where the word of God is expressed. If we are serious about the words of Christ, we would take heed to what God says in his word about it. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Mm -hmm. You can't do that by yourself. You can't stir yourself by yourself. You can't. You need some flavor in there. You need my wife's, you know, thing that she does in the kitchen. You you need other hands in there. It's a flavorless life to do Christianity by yourself. It's not meant that way. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25 of Hebrews 10, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Have you been a good steward of listening to the words of Christ? I told y'all, you, listen, it ain't me. At the root of all our problems is this, do we listen and obey the word of God? A well-built life is built upon the foundation of God's word, but a ruined life is evidence that there is no foundation. What happens when someone listens to the words of Jesus and does not do them? The answer is found in verse 49. In the last point, the ruined life, verse 49, But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. There can be people who hear God's word and do not do what the word of God says to do. There are those who say, Lord, Lord, Do not do what he says to do. They reveal that Jesus is not Lord of their lives. They are not being mastered by him. They are not being mastered by him. Jesus, he's a friend. He's closer than a brother. He's a counselor. He's our peace. He's our bread. He's our water. He's everything we need. Right. When you're thirsty, you go for water. When you're hungry, you go for bread. But where do you go when you need mastered? He's not just out to be a friend. He's out to be Lord. He wants all of you, not some of you. The one who hears and does not do what God says to do will find themselves opposite of a well-built life. A well-built life is well-built because the man had dug deep and tethered the house to the rock found deep in the ground. However, the house built without a foundation is built without digging deep into the ground, which is necessary for it to be firm. Instead, the house is built on flat land. This is the life of those who live a life that is not built on a foundation. So what would a life like this look like? It would be a life that does not do what Christ says to do. The Lord's Day, where the word of God is preached, is seen as non-essential. Bible study is where the word of God is taught, seen as boring and unnecessary. Fellowship where the word of God is shared, is neglected. Ministry, where the word of God is served, is seen as a waste of their time and a bother to their lives. Prayer, where the word of God is personal, is void and wanting. Worship, where the word of God is expressed, is absent and given no attention because there is no desire or joy in it. We don't, we don't have exuberant worship to get you going. I don't know if you knew that. It's not for entertainment. It's not to get everybody sweaty so that we can save up on our heating bill. That's not it. We have, have prescription in scripture to celebrate the Lord. Because he's worthy to be celebrated. And we want to do that. When I'm up here lifting up my hands, I'm not doing this so that you can lift your hands up. Forget all of y'all. I'm not doing this for y'all. When I think of his grace, thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. It compels me to lift my hands, to lift my voice and say thank you. You are good. There's desire and joy because of what he's done. But someone who hasn't built their house on a good foundation, on a solid one, they won't see their need for that joy. A life built without the foundation of the word of Christ being listened to and obeyed is a life that will show that it was built on the ruins of a kingdom that will pass away. Listening to the words of Christ and doing them comes from a foundation that has already been laid in Christ. But listening to the words of Christ and not doing them comes from having no foundation, which will lead to a life of ruin on the day of judgment. The Lord's Day, Bible study, fellowship, ministry, prayer and worship, they all result from a life that hears the words of Jesus and obeys. It is not just obedience that we do these things. We desire it because the word of God compels us to follow him, which we do with joy. I love being a believer in Jesus. The best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not a bored Christian. I'm devoted, not perfect, but devoted. I wake up thanking my God for life while having pains. And I know I preach that every Sunday, but it's true. I wake up with pain every day but God is still good. It will be shown that the one without foundation will fall. They are exposing what is underneath their lives. Jesus said when the stream broke against it, he said immediately it fell. When the stream that came from the flood struck striking against the house Without a foundation with force, when, when the stream is coming with force against this house, Jesus is saying it immediately fell, meaning instantly, which is used also in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verses 21 and 20, uh, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, we read this last week, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Mm -hmm. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, just as immediately he received it with joy, immediately, Scripture says, he falls So in the parable of the sower saints, Jesus shows us that there can be those who hear the word and receive it with joy, but are still those who show they have no roots. They're hyped about the word in the beginning, but when things got real, they revealed a shaken life built on nothing. As quickly as they came in, they promptly left afterwards. So when someone lives a life of disobedience, their falling and failing comes from not being rooted and grounded on the foundation. However, when a believer in Jesus who has conviction and fails, because we will fail, they repent and they go back to their foundation, with this, which is Christ. Right? Listen, I've been there. You've been there. You failed God. You've done things you weren't supposed to do. What, what were you going to go to? Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. I can't go back. Mm -hmm. Back to what? To houses that are going to be ruined, Mm -hmm. that aren't built on a foundation. I want something that's real, that's going to help me be grounded so I can be consistent. A lot of us don't know what consistency looks like. We we didn't grow up with it. Dad wasn't consistent. Mom wasn't consistent. Bills weren't being paid on time. Right. We, we've had lives of inconsistency. But God is consistent. Yes. Yeah. He's already laid the foundation for you. The foundation has been laid. What has your life been built on? Do you pattern yourself in the scriptures where the word of God is found? Is your life well built on the word of God? If you say yes here today then what in your life shows that your life is well built on his word? The answer to that question is not found in the yes or no from your mouth, but is found in your obedience. The one who hears and does not do them will find themselves in ruin. The ruin of that house that had no foundation, Jesus said, was great. How great is the ruin of the house that is built without a foundation? was great. Great was the fall of it. But saints, how beautiful it is that God took us from a life of ruin into eternal life. Yes. The best thing that's ever happened. Augustine said, do you wish to rise? Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds. Lay first the foundation of humility. That's my prayer for you today. May God humble us by his word so that we can stand against what will come against us. And for those who have not obeyed God's word, you have not come to saving faith. There's hope for you. The scriptures tell us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not only that, believe in your heart. Believe in your heart where all the issues come out. Jesus said, all these issues in the world come from a heart. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? A life of ruin. A life, an unbalanced life, an inconsistent life, a life where you're continuing to seek pleasure and not finding something of eternal worth. There's two houses here. One built on the foundation, which is Christ, and then the other one with no foundation at all. And when things get real, the one that will last is the one that's been built on the firm foundation of Christ Jesus. So saints and those who have not come to Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do what he says and let's do it with joy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. You've given us salvation. We sit on the firm foundation laid, which was Christ Jesus. God, for some of us, things have gotten real. Things have gotten hard. Things have gotten difficult. Our hearts, at times, we feel like, how much more can I take? How much more can I take? The pain, the rejection, the feelings of depression, what so-and-so said, what so-and-so did. Or why does my life continue to be in this cycle of dysfunction? where I can't get out of this situation. It just seems like the more I try, the harder it gets. Lord, may we lay at your feet in humility. God, help us to give up, to give up striving for things that have no eternal worth. Help us to lift our eyes to you, who is our help and our peace, that our hearts would then rejoice instead of being in ruin and weighed by things of the world. This house, this life that you have built, Lord God, this life called the believer, you are building and you are making more like you. And so help us, Lord, to know that no matter the storm, no matter the pain, no matter the floods, no matter what happens to us, we can stand because you will keep us. None can pluck us from your hand. And you sealed us until the day of redemption. You've already bought this house. The mortgage is paid for. All the utilities covered. The roof is new. The house is being done in such a way, God, that you are making us new every morning. And so, Lord, I pray, as those that are houses which you reside in through your Holy Spirit, May we rejoice. May we rejoice. And for those who have not come to faith, God, would you invade their hearts? Plant your word that it be rooted on good soil that it would produce. And so be with those that need you today, that have houses not built on a foundation, Lord. And the best thing that probably could happen to them is that they're ruined now before the great day where you come back. Ruin their lives now. Show them, Lord God, of having no foundation that they will build on Christ.